Hello, and welcome back to How To Be Happy, a podcast where we explore all the ways that we can live a happier life. Each week, we're talking to happiness experts, celebrities, and ordinary people to uncover their secrets to living a good life. My name is Kate DeBrito. I'm your host and guide on this journey into happiness. Let's begin. Megan Lewis is a former news photographer and Walkley Award winner who also has a special gift. She's an energetic healer, an ability she first discovered in her teens. She now works with people doing private subconscious mind healing, as well as continuing her work as a documentary photographer. She's a beautiful woman with a calm, clear spirit who lives a life helping others. She has some lovely wisdom to share about how we can all connect better with our inner wisdom to live happier lives. Megan Lewis, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you here. Thank you, Kate. We should let people know how we met, I think. It's probably a good way of introducing this podcast. We met during a royal tour of all things when I was a reporter and you were a photographer. Yeah, so we travelled with the Queen for the two weeks and so everywhere she went, I went. It was photographers on the and the um, public places but we were the I was the one travelling with the English pack of photographers, the Fleet Street <laughs> photographers and the Royal photographers. They were pretty funny if I recall. They were a very, very funny bunch. They were. They were. You did get a different perspective of the world through their eyes. Yep. And we went to some um, country towns. We went to a lot of country towns, didn't we? Um, I think we were out at, where were we? Were we at, at Broken Hill? I can't oh, remember either. It, it All was Burke. I think it you're was right. Burke. I think you're right. It was Burke. And Alice Springs and everywhere you can think of, we went. And then we mm. finished up in Perth. I don't think I went to Perth. I think I dropped out there and they got another reporter mm. on at that point. But that was the first time we'd met. So we were working for publications at different sides of the country. I was in Sydney and you were living in Perth. The interesting thing was, I mean, we got on very well straight away. We started chatting on a flight or at an airport, I think. But for the purposes of this conversation, because we're talking about your sort of second part of your your uh career uh, not your photographic career but the other part which is that at some point you told me that you were a healer and I remember thinking mm. Mm, that's weird like what does she mean yeah. by a healer and you told me that you were a, a, an energy healer I think this is my understanding and that um, your mother had also had a, a gift in this area yeah. so I found this fascinating of course um, and we talked a bit about these sort of things but it culminated in at some point a few days later, I'd come out of a breakup and I was uh, what I would call just in a bit of a messy emotional state. Mm. I think you described it as leaking energy and you did a healing on me, which was kind of, I guess, you know, super strange in its, in its own way, but I was, I was open to it. And the most amazing part of it was that afterwards I felt like I started to get better. And I always, I've told people about this for years. I've said it was the most unusual experience because it wasn't something I would normally have thought to do, but it worked. Mm. And I've thought of you so many times over the years. And that's why I got back in touch with you to say, hey, and to see if you could come on the podcast and talk to people about your 
gift and about how it works in this world. Well, the interesting thing was I remember I think I was about 28 on that trip and I think you were about 26. You were a couple of years younger than me. And I remember having that conversation with you on the plane and you were telling me about stuff and I said, well, yeah, I do this as well. But in the media world, we always, you know, you you certainly don't advertise that, but I frequently photographed people or worked with people that were going through some sort of trauma. So in a way, there was always a way whether you formally helped them or informally. And, And I remember you sent me a letter, I think, Um, correct me if I was wrong, I think a few months after that to a a really beautiful letter saying things had had changed for you. And I remember thinking that's lovely. Then all those years, obviously, I went and lived in the desert with the Aboriginal people and did a book. Mm. And what, it's been 23 years and I had completely and utterly forgotten about the whole healing and everything about that until a few months ago you popped into my mind. And I suddenly thought... Mm. I, oh my God, I did a healing for a journalist on that trip. I wonder how she is. All those years. So, see, nothing is separate. There's frequent, there's radio wires out there. And then, what, three weeks ago, I got an email out of the blue that said, You probably don't remember me. Um, but I was the journalist. And you did a healing for me on the trip. And I just, I sat down, I had to laugh. I went, oh, my God, Mm. here we go. It's just another one of those things in life and people get them and whether you recognize, I think it happens for a lot of people, but they don't always notice and people who are tuned in do notice. It's interesting, Megan, because like, you know, I've been doing this podcast for a while and I would say that you are probably the first guest who's a bit more um, out there and, and I say that with the utmost respect because, I mean, I... I, I read a lot about these sort of things. I have my own set of beliefs about things. I'm certainly open to things that are not, I guess, as you might see them. But some of the people listening, this might be their first sort of entree into things that are not necessarily explainable. So we'll, we'll go easy on them uh, when, we, when we talk about this sort of stuff. I, I wonder when was it that you first realised that you had a bit of a gift around healing? Um, well, when I was 14, I went and I was at school. I had, um, I had probably what we would call a, an awakening. I suddenly was able to observe. I remember walking down the corridor. I had this experience, whether it, I can't tell you at pinpoint whether it was during the day or the night time that this happened. But basically I woke up in the morning. And we all know when we're at school, we've got uh, unpleasant students, the the cool crowds, the whichevers that um, can be very unpleasant to other students. And I remember walking down the corridor and this girl was walking towards me and she was one who looked all this very pretty and uh, appeared to be very cool and having it all together. But she was could be very cunning and um, not very pleasant to lots of students. And I remember she was walking down towards me and I suddenly had this whole flash of her life. I saw what she was like at home. I saw what her home life was. And I thought she's racked with insecurities. She's not, there's things aren't good at home. And she, she comes to school and this is the personality, this is her ego personality that is presented and it's not very attractive, is while she's physically mm. attractive, her personality wasn't. 
And I, instead of feeling anger or resentment of her behavior, I suddenly felt this enormous wave of compassion come through me for her. Mm. And I suddenly realized that people's behavior, when they behave badly, it's not personal. She was behaving mm. badly out of her own unhappiness and her own discomfort mm. and her ego, egoic sense of needing to be important and needing to be number one. And But I could just smile at her and I could just feel love for her. And then it happened with all the other students and the teachers. And the next thing before long at school, everyone was wanting to sit around me. And I, it was a beautiful feeling because I wasn't connected to my small self, my little negative self. I just felt this beautiful compassion. And you could see things differently. I could see everything very clearly and and see people's problems. So this, this lasted for about, mm, I'd say, six months maybe, and then it went, and I felt bereft. I thought, wow, now I feel like I'm back in the ordinary life. But, bef- but I had this, um, I can't remember whether it was a dream or just a, a sense came to me, uh, you've been showing what you can be. Now you have to go mm. through your life path to arrive at that space, which means that that would be my general state of being. But then it happened again at 17, not that same love, compassion stuff, but I was able to have, I remember sitting in art class, my um, school C art class, which I was was brought up in New Zealand, so it was our last year. And there was another student in the class. He kept to himself. He was painting. Suddenly I I could read his thoughts. And he was Mm. contemplating how he was going to suicide. He was contemplating how he was going to get rid of himself, and I thought, "Oh no, you know, I, I've got to be, I've got to make a point of being friends with him. I've got to talk to him because I can't let that happen." So I did. I sat with him and talked to him for a bit, and then I just said to him, "Oh, you're feeling this, 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 aren't you?" And he went. He looked at me and went, "Oh my God!" He just about fell off his stool. He said, "How did you know?" I said, oh, "I just get a sense that's how you're feeling." And so then he opened up to me and then I spoke to, with his permission, I spoke to the school counsellor and got him help and it um, got him through that period, completely changed. Did you talk to your mum about this at that stage? Because as you, you told me that your mum had also had a, a, was, had a gift in this way, were you yeah. brought up knowing that, that or no, was it something no. you discovered later? No, so mum didn't know she could do that either she didn't know at that stage so it's kind of parallel I sort of jumped ahead of her and then she'd come and then jump ahead of me so at that stage she wasn't experiencing that I was just experiencing that on my own and I think I used to feel like a bit of a freak and I because I could just and there was another friend of mine who uh, came to me one day at school when she sat down uh, sorry came home she was one of the top four percent IQ in New Zealand. She was a super bright girl, and one little thing happened. It triggered all her repressed memories, and she confessed to me that she'd been sexually abused. I knew what she was going to say before she said it, and I mm. sat there and I did sat in a way uh, so that she could talk about what she was doing, and I didn't interrupt. I just sat there very uh, still to give her the space. She later said to me, "Your response was just exactly what I needed." So I was being shown how to respond. I was picking up on all of this stuff. Uh, how her through that but so mum wasn't doing that at the time I was experiencing these full-on things all the time I could 
I had empathy for people, but I could experience what they were experiencing. What's that like? Is that hard to do? You get you get a, a flash, that, or a, is it a feeling? At that age, it was very hard. So I could look at, say, for instance, this particular person, and I could see the energy around their body. I could see whether their aura. I could see whether it was red or white. Uh, and I, I could. It was just. It's like you could sense it in your whole body. So if they were feeling stress and tension and grief. I could feel it in my body. I mm. could sense it. So between 17 and 21 or 18 and 21, it was too much. I shut it down. I just couldn't hear other people's problems. I couldn't think about it because it was too much. And so I just went out and did the usual thing, which, I mean, I was doing at the time. I was going out partying and having a good time. We were brought up on a farm in New Zealand, so I spent a lot of time with animals so I say those things happened then, but throughout, if you look back, if I look back at my life, there was stages all the way through. And I think animals teach you how to do that. They teach you how to, if you really uh, have a love for them, you then have the, you can have the empathy. So you're learning, you're learning empathy. It starts with empathy and then the feeling is inside. And when I say my mother wasn't doing healings then, but she had been looking she was interested in stuff and she'd done the silver mind jose silver course which was teaching you how to scan your body and my father who was irish farmer is in new zealand he trotted along as well and he was dyslexic <laughs> but he loved it yeah. and so there was always this this interest there but we didn't really know about anything yeah and i you know i said i picked up that book the chrysalids because i was thinking i was feeling like a bit of a freak and i oh my god i know this is fiction but this is actually more real to me than the other books because I know this, I understand this. That's the John Wyndham book, right, where he they have the power to, to read other yeah. people's minds. It's, do, do people get a bit spooked by that, Megan? Do they worry that you're trying to read their mind? I'm trying to block you now just in case. No, I'm kidding. But do people Sorry. worry that, that you're trying to read their minds? That's not the way it works, though, is it? It's not actually mind reading. It's more... It's an intuition, no, isn't it? It's intuition. It was It was just that, to be very clear, you only ever get information that is helpful to understand that person. It's not mm. like a prying. It's about so that person didn't feel alone. So the conversation would be, I, I get you, I understand you, and which is enormous because most people are seeking somebody who gets them. You want mm. to feel that you're not alone in your head a lot of the time for, when, when you're going through stuff. And if someone can sit there, really sit there and, and, and connect with you, then all sorts of things happening. That's a healing in itself. Mm. So, no, I wasn't um, – there was certainly not the prying. It's more it's, – it's just a sense of knowing, a knowing of what that person is feeling and what they think, you know, what they're – what their what the emo what thoughts their emotions are what their emotions are being created what emotions are being created by their thoughts I should say do you think that that intuition I mean I've read a, a, a bits about you know intuitive skills and we're all we all obviously have an intuitive ability that's what I read anyway but that potentially a lot of us have blocked it or we're not able to access it as easily as as others and it feels like you're on a, a much you know other end of the scale than a lot of people is it something that people can start to improve at to work on their own intuition to help themselves 
everyone has the ability everyone it's like a radio frequency you know some it's like what we've been experiencing a bit with this podcast where sometimes you <laughs> we've got a bit of static and we can't hear you know that there's things you know that something's being said and and I can sometimes your your voice is being static while we're talking I can't always hear what you're saying but you know that that something's being said and it, it's like anything it's like any skill the more you fine tune it the more you start to um, start to realize that there is so much more there. So we're all born with the ability. Some people, it's if you think about it, it's a bit like a um, a lamp. If you have a lamp, it's a bright light. If you put a whole lot of heavy coats on it, you think that there's only heavy coats there and there's no light. When you start peeling off the coats, you realize that the light was there all the time. So we're all the light. Some of us are carrying around a lot of heavy stuff or or dense stuff that we don't even know that we have it. But mm. when you stop dropping, when you start dropping away the layers, you realise that you were that all along. And people, what stops people realising that they have this ability to, and, and everything is timing. For some people, it wouldn't be the right time. They need to get through stuff in their life. They need to, they they need to live out certain things. They need to live out the ambitious career. Or what and if they had all those, um, well, you can have intuition without empathy. But if but the more you start to become aware of yourself, the more your behaviour would change. And some people have to play out certain roles. They've come into this life. They need to learn certain things before they really wake up. But the time is there when you when it's ready and if you're listening to this and thinking ah i might have had those sort of thoughts well then probably it's possibly time to start looking at them and how do people go about that megan how do they go about um working that that muscle that intuitive muscle well firstly is to what stops you knowing it and stops you realizing stuff is the thinking mind is that constant yapping, talking in the mind. And mm-hmm. that obscures what you really are underneath. So to start, it's just really starting to observe your thoughts. It's starting to notice the things around you, go into nature. And when you go, and if you're someone whose mind is always yapping, you go into nature, it's almost unbearable because you need the distractions. And particularly like we're in this world, we're on devices all the time. It's mm-hmm. a distraction. And that dumbs down your intuition. All of the things that we do outside, constant stimulation, dumbs down what we actually know. And it's the same as when you eat junk food all the time. Your taste buds get dulled. If you eat quality food, real raw, natural food, you don't enjoy it. It's horrible because your taste buds are dumbed. So you kind of have to wean yourself off does it sound like weed yourself off the weed? <laughs> Maybe <laughs> that too. <laughs> weed yourself off the addiction of thinking. And how mm. do you do that? Just by observing, starting by observing your thoughts, mm. observing your breath, just starting to notice the inner sensations in your body. And so when you do that, you're starting to become more present. So everyone that, you know, everyone's saying, you'll know, be present, be in the moment. What that really means is, don't engage with your thinking mind. You can't stop your thinking mind. It's going to think the thoughts. But to bring yourself to be present, it's just noticing your breath. 
it's noticing if you go and sit in nature, it's just noticing maybe the bug crawling, crawling up the plant. It's noticing the leaves just moving in the wind. And then if you notice that your mind starts to think and you start thinking about, oh, what I'm going to do tomorrow, I've got to go and do this, you quietly bring yourself back to your breath, to the present moment. Because the more connected you are to your internal self, then the intuition that was already there starts to be more pronounced. Mm. I think I've found in my life that, and I've become more and more aware of those intuitive or inner messages, that it really is very quiet and it's, it's, a, it's a whisper and you, you have to listen very mm. hard in a way. But counterintuitively, you also have to not try because when you're trying really hard, yeah. you're probably trying to force something. It's when you're relaxed and quiet that you do get those little intuitive nudges, those directions which you really feel sure that's your heart speaking rather than that egoic mind telling you what you yeah. should do. There is another part of it, though, for you in the healing side isn't there and, and that's the energy part of it can you talk to us a little bit about that because you're also like we were talking before I should say that we had a lot of um, static almost mm. when we got on this call and we we spent a bit of time trying to work it out and you were like it might just be the energy which I mean was funny but it, it, it's actually something that you feel quite a lot don't you you actually have a a, a touch that feels a lot of actual electricity can you tell us about that yeah. So we'll talk about the static. You're, the static's still going, so I'm listening really hard. So if I answer a question, I'm missing small bits. It's because I'm missing your Megan's bits. Megan's getting static. She sounds completely clear to me, but she's getting a lot of static from me, everyone. Yeah. So when with the energy healing, so I'm, I'm actually trained in, in, in two things. So the energy healing is something that came to me naturally when I was 21. And... It actually happened while I was on a job in Russia and actually in Georgia in a hospital for, um, on my time off when I was working. I was working for Reuters and I was doing a little documentary on on things down in, I think it was in, in Abkhazia, in Ossetia. And we were in a hospital where a child had been, I was, I was interviewing a and photographing a woman doctor, which is, was very rare then. Uh, had gone in with MSF and we'd gone to this hospital. They had no facilities. It was really, really uh, not a good place. And that seen the soldiers burst through the door. Everyone sort of leapt up, oh, no, what's happening now? And they were carrying a child. And I think he was a 12-year-old boy. And they said, oh, he's fallen off the roof. He's really injured. And they kind of left him and, and disappeared. And everyone's looking at each other going, we don't know what really happened to this child. The doctor went and examined him and she said, oh, Oh, I, you know, I think he's got internal injuries and there's nothing we can do because we can't operate. And this is just this apps. I was photo. The weird thing is it's living the ordinary life in the unordinary way. I was photographing her reaction to this and, and at the same time being, being very present and being very empathetic about the situation. Then I suddenly realised, well, I can do something about this. And I sat quietly in the back room and I started to scan the boy. I started to put the energy around him and use, and so I wasn't using, so when, when I think when we work together, the energy would flow. It's like I'm like a conduit for the energy. The energy. I'm not doing the healing. 
the energy isn't doing the healing, you're doing the healing. What the energy does is help you go to a space and a vibration in yourself where you can heal your own stuff. And whether that's at the emotional level or there's a physical trauma. In this case, there was a direct physical trauma, but I could do it remotely. I didn't have to be there with my hands above him and the energy coming through. I could just scan him with my mind and then start to really focus the energy on the healing for him. And I could see light and I could see energy going into his body. I could see disruption. Sometimes I'll see it very clearly. Sometimes I'll see it like it's 3D, so that's more like a medical intuitive. Other times I can't see it all, but I just know that whatever's I'm handing over that energy to do exactly what it needs to do for that person in that moment. And within half an hour, hour the doctor came out. She said, I don't know what's happened. She, we must have misdiagnosed because he doesn't appear to have any problems. So for me, that was, That's amazing. I, never, I never said anything, but I have used it for animals and humans along the way and, and other, other photographers and celebrities, people I've worked with when there's been trauma, I think. And, and on, a, on, a, on a funny level, we were, I was on one story years ago with a, a photographer and we were dropping off in the outback on, on a light plane and she'd eaten something and she had really bad gastro and she was terrified she wasn't going to make the two, three-hour trip in this light plane without doing something very um, uncomfortable to herself and her, pa- and her fellow passengers. So I did. I just used the mind to scan and did stuff there for her and, and helped that that wouldn't um, – that basically we would do the reverse of diarrhoea and we would do um, – constipation for that trip and and she was enormously relieved that that it all cleared up very quickly so there's times and emergencies like that that you can it is a really interesting and I, I imagine people don't really understand when you when you did that process with me we as I said we were in hotel rooms and I, I think I either came to yours or you came to mine but you pulled the bed out from the wall like it was just a double bed against it or a queen bed up against a a wall you pulled it out so that you could circle it and you lay me down and then you walked in circles around it and as Mm. I said you know at the time I was thinking well this is unusual this is strange what's going on here and again you didn't touch me uh I don't remember I think you did spend some time at around my head with your hands near to me and you asked me as well to to focus on perhaps any helpers or guides that were there for me and um and to maybe let that through I can't remember exactly your wording but I just remember as I said you circling it and you said that you were trying to um uh you know what, what's the right word for it, that you were sort of doing me up, binding me back up, the energetic sort of, you know, by yeah. going going around and around, that you were, you were doing this. And, again, being, you know, a journalist, you know, I'm naturally sceptical but I'm open to things. I was, you know, sceptical. I thought this is fun. But what did surprise me was how different I felt in the day and the days afterwards and you know as I said it had been just a bit of a sad and and you know difficult breakup a bit of a life change direction for me and it was like at that point you know if you imagine a plane going down 
it was at that point that my plane kind of started to rise again and just mm. got better and better and better. And it wasn't like an overnight thing, but I, I guess it was the beginning of a healing for me, which is what you said you were doing. So I always mm. found it very interesting. As I said, to be a journalist, you're naturally skeptical and a bit cynical, but um, you know, to have that personal experience of something which was not really very, couldn't really explain it, but could definitely feel it on a visceral level, I think is really interesting. So I think people, when they hear about you healing a child, you know, in, in Russia, they might think, oh, well, did it, could it have really happened? Or maybe it was something else. But you've had numerous experiences of this. And, you know, I certainly believe that it's possible. Do you feel a sense of, um, is that electricity? Do you feel it in your hands? Is it something that you are often connected to from a, do you feel the voltage of, of, of energy? Yeah. So things, I mean, when I did that for you, I'd been doing it for probably about eight years and in parallel with my work. So things have evolved over the years as well. So when I feel it, when I first ever experienced it, um, I actually, it was like bolts of energy coming through my hands. And then when I would walk, I, I wouldn't, and I didn't believe it. I came from quite, even though I had those intuitive experiences as a teenager, when this was happening, I went, oh, my God, what well, this is a bit weird. And <laughs> am I really am I trying to make this happen or is this really happening? Mm. So when I when I used to experiment with friends when I was in you know, like 21, 22, um, I thought they were just being, um, being very accommodating to me and going into it, pretending that they were going into a very deep, relaxed state, but they mm. actually were and they were making changes. So I realised if I would start thinking, oh, I think I'm going to walk to your feet, but my hands would go to your head. Then I realised, I started to realise it wasn't me who was deciding on this. It wasn't my small self, my ego self doing this. There was another energy that was working here. And then as I understood it more, I realised, and, and to be clear, I don't do the healings. I didn't mm. do that healing for you. You mm. did that healing for you. All mm. as I did was help raise the frequency so that mm. you could go to the place and do exactly what you needed to do in that moment. And mm. when I, what I was telling you while I was walking around was what I was intuitively getting, what your energy field mm. was doing. But on a deeper level, you were working at, at your much, much deeper feeling level, at your emotional level. And so for me, along the years, I would, you know, frequently sometimes my healings, the, the healings, that work through me, it will only take me about 15 minutes, 10 minutes sometimes, and people uh, will go into that state. They may lay, lie there for another hour um, in, the, in a deeper, relaxed state. Some people aren't in a deep state. They're just they're very aware, mm. but things are shifting at that other level. So, again, it's the same principle. The mind's getting out of the way. It's that deeper feeling part, that part that knows exactly that light, that knows exactly everything about you, that deeper subconscious part of you is able to then not be interfered with by all the thoughts and it's able to adjust things and dissolve things at that real feeling cause. So, yeah, I'm walking around. I can feel sometimes, sometimes I don't feel a lot and sometimes I do. 
and I don't tend to give people a story afterwards because mm. the story, the ego just attaches to that and it actually interferes with the process. Mm. And I had at that time when I saw you, I had trained in subconscious mind therapy, but I retrained again, which is subconscious mind therapy is the, it's not energy healing per se. It's based um, on helping someone to, again, it's exactly the same principle as the healing. It's helping someone access that it, the deeper feeling part of themselves so that they can make the changes at the real original cause. But instead of just using energy, with that we use, we, we, um, use words to help that person utilise their own inner healing ability. So when I do a session with somebody now, I would... I, I do the, the I follow the the PSH the private subconscious mind healing um, formula and that we we do a case history we help someone understand what this how the subconscious works that from naught to four we are mostly working purely out of our subconscious feeling part that's the part that doesn't analyze doesn't criticize things it just learns through feeling and time we hit to five or six, we start to become analytical and we start to analyze. But if you've already mm. had some programming putting it in there from a very young age, even as you get older, you will start to, you might think, well, this is, for an example, a, a basic example is someone who is struggling with, with weight issues and they will diet. If mm. they, they can lose the weight, then they put it back on. If they're, and then they lose the weight, they put it back on and they're constantly through life struggling. This is something that's visual to other people and it's something obvious. But when they, but frequently things, if, if there was a conscious level problem, they could probably solve that through counselling, through talking about it. But if there's a much deeper emotional issue under there, the subconscious part of them has got a different belief to the analytical, critical, conscious mm. thinking mind then there's a discord. Mm. So no matter what you say on the outside and talk about it, no matter how much you talk about it, that inner part is going to say, no, I'm here to protect you. For example, there was a case history of somebody, some woman years ago who had seen uh, one of our, our therapists a very, very long time ago and she was happy to uh, talk about her experience and normally when we do the do the healings and this all the subconscious mind healing the exact same principle we don't talk about the issue afterwards because mm -hmm. we don't want to interfere with the process and most people if it's a really deep traumatic issue they don't always bring it to the surface so for example this woman same thing struggled she was obese lost weight put it back on put it on came and had the subconscious mind therapy and she dropped all the weight very quickly. And what happened was that she realized she had the memory when she was a small child, maybe two, three, she was very ill and she had lost a lot of weight. She had gone to the doctor. She, her mother had taken to the doctor. The child was playing. The, mother, the doctor was talking to the mother. This is how the subconscious part takes on the child's subconscious. The mother was saying... I, uh, you know, this is what's happening with the child. The doctor was saying, well, look, in amongst the conversation, he would have said a whole lot of other things, but the child picked up, if this child doesn't eat, she could die. Mm. The subconscious of the child says, 
I have to protect you. I have to keep you safe. You have to put on weight. Mm. So she started eating. So the subconscious part doesn't analyze, doesn't rationalize. It's like the button has been pushed. The program is in there. So when she becomes well and she's a healthy weight, it doesn't switch off because mm. the switch is still on. So then as she gets older and she knows, well, hang on, all this weight is actually causing me health issues, I've got to stop eating. Then when when the weight comes off, so she consciously makes a decision, I have to go on a diet and I'm going to lose the weight because my doctor said to me, if I don't, all these other health issues are going to happen. Mm. So she loses the weight, the, subcon- the weight comes down, the subconscious says, oh, no, oh, no something terrible is going to happen, you could die, you need to eat, you need to eat. So the programming then would override the conscious mind that said don't eat and start eating. And that's why you get the your, the yo-yo diet for it's people. Very, it's very interesting that, I mean, it, it, I've, Gabor Matei talks about it in his in his book that I just finished a little while ago, The Myth of Normal, he talks a lot about sort of trauma, which I know is a bit of a, a buzzword um, these days, but trauma mm. as in the sense of some of the things that we experience at ki- as kids that we may not even see as being traumatic. Yeah. It might be your mum was very sick when you were three and she was, you felt uh, just a, an innate fear because she was not available to you at that time. Now, it's not something you consciously remember when you're 15, but for whatever reason, that fear has embedded in your subconscious in a way that then may play out in a range of different dysfunctions or, or ways that you are struggling in the world. And it's only when you can kind of get to the root of or find that fear and why it's it's buried there that you're able to move on and I and I think he says much the same as you that you don't necessarily have to go and psychoanalyze it and spend a lot of time talking it through it's just maybe getting to the root of that pain and letting it go somehow mm. it's called what can you say what it's called again is it, it's called it's private, private subconscious. subconscious mind healing yeah and PSH okay. for short so the the website okay. is there's I made a film a 30-minute film, which is explaining it a lot better than I am, about how it works. It's actually very therapeutic to watch it. It's on the, is that on, on YouTube? It's on the um, homepage of the website for PSH, psh.org.au. Okay, so well, I'll you... put a link in the, in the notes for that so people can find that if they want. So, I mean, the way, like what we do with the healing, it's not about the, the client or the therapist doesn't need to find out what it is it's not important we just because at that deep level that that subconscious part of that person knows and when it's given a different Mm. kind of wisdom and a different kind of way of doing things then it can dissolve that old thinking pattern and become more aligned with where the person is at in their life now so it's it, it works for across the board for so many things. Like we, see, I see people now. Oh gosh, you just you name it. It's anxiety, depression, um, post-traumatic stress. It's it's uh, eating disorders, all sorts of things. And again, I can't heal them or, or cure them, but they have the ability to do it themselves. And the way. And the most effective way is if we, yeah, we're not dragging it to the surface. We're not rooting around trying to find which exactly, 
which part it is. It's just really handing it over to that deeper inner feeling part of that person to get it sorted. But we help them to be able to go into that space where they can do that without interference. Megan, we're getting tight on on time, but I did just want to ask you, segue to a, to another part of your life. You spent a couple of years in a remote Indigenous community in 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 WA. It was yeah. wasn't it? And you you took photographs with, with their permission. Obviously, you were living there with them, and um, you create a very beautiful book, which you you won a Walkley Award for your um, for those photographs can you tell me again I know this is a very big subject to open when I said we're, we're running short on time but what did you what did you learn from the way that the community that you lived with were living that you think people are missing about the way that they sort of live in the world it's an interesting question because I think traditionally, because the communities, a lot of people in the communities now, it's just like in our society there's people that are aware and awake, not so many, um, and so many that aren't. Traditionally, Traditionally, the old people who, sadly, so many of them have passed away, really understood that there isn't a separation between the people and the land and the trees, everything is interconnected. It has the same consciousness. It's just that we're, mm. we're just wearing different suits or we're just in different mm. physical forms. And they, they and, an, and also and an example of the energy, the old people, you know, took me out to, took us out to one of the clay pans and one of the old women, she looked very sad and she said, see, see this, this, this the person who used to take care of this country has passed away. There used to be all these plants here and now there's nothing because nobody is taking care of this country. So traditionally mm-hmm. scientists and anthropologists would say, well, taking care of country is burning off, making sure there isn't fire, controlling it, managing it, and we view it through the Western perspective. But taking mm-hmm. care of country is is putting your energy into it, your focus, your love, cultivating mm. the land through your lack of separation from it, your, through being understanding that you're part of it, we're part of the whole. And I think that's what we, the, there's a lot of people in the Western world who do understand that as well and are, are operating. And I think that it's more, again, it's what, in every society, there's people that know and have always known, and the, and I think traditional people uh, have were indigenous people are always so much more aware of that because they're living with it. But the mm. but on the other level is that the young people, so much like our young people and and older people too, are disconnected because we're looking mm. at devices. So even though mm. all that land is there and it's speaking to us and the world is speaking to us that way, we're not noticing it because we're disconnected. Mm. And I think mm. I think it's just about just taking a breath, slowing down. Even when you think you can't, slow down and notice what's around. 
That's beautiful advice, Megan. I try to do that more and more, but I think as you get a little bit older, it's easier because that wisdom of recognizing that go 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 doesn't doesn't make a winning formula for life. I think just becomes self evident. But I, it is hard to look at um, younger people, you know, and we're all addicted to our phones in in certain ways but it's so much harder yep. for them and i just think terribly you know, hard without sounding like the sort of the old lady shaking my fist at the clouds it's like you know i i'm, I'm as guilty as everyone but we walk around and we cross streets with our faces in our phones yep. we don't look yep. up anymore and i know why we do it they're the most attractive wonderful little devices that tell us everything and entertain yep. us but it feels like we're missing out on so much including that deeper connection and intuition with ourselves. So if yeah. anyone, if people can take something away from this, um, it would be that maybe to slow down and stop and, and try to reconnect with themselves is a way yeah. to um, find a bit more happiness. I think if the, the way is... An easy way of doing it with thinking, oh yeah, right. Well, that's that's yeah, that's great. Save it for later. We can do our devices, and we can do this because we may we help ourselves not be so attached to them. If throughout the day, even for a moment, even every hour, and throughout an hour, for a moment, for a minute, for a minute, just stop and just focus on your breath. That's all you have to mm -hmm. do. Just let your breath drop all the way in the bottom of your stomach. Just notice the energy in your arms, notice them in your hands, just notice the inner sensations, just notice how you're taking your breath in and how you're allowing your breath to go out without trying to make anything happen. It's just that you're starting to make that part of you, you're starting to be a friend with yourself. Start to be a friend I with yourself. I feel so much more relaxed just listening to your voice, Megan. Mm. But it's there. It's there all the time. And, and if you do that, instead of sitting and trying to go, oh, well, I haven't got time to meditate, I'm going to meditate for an hour, you're far more effective just to do that throughout the day. Even if you're walking, you know, walking down the street, go, oh, well, for the next few paces, I'm going to be conscious of picking my foot up and putting it down. And, and just start to bring it in. And what it does is it benefits, even if you are busy and you're working, you start to make more you start making better decisions for yourself. You start having better connections with people. And then and everyone is wanting to improve their businesses or if they're entrepreneurs, it's then just you're bringing that energy and you're creating a space, you're becoming the receiver. For instead of trying to push things and make things happen, you give yourself permission just to sit and allow things to come to you. Mm, that's beautiful. I used to, uh, uh, a little while ago, I used to set my alarm and um, my husband would say, why is your alarm going off again? <laughs> I'd say, because I'm reminding myself to wake up. Because some days when you're busy, you spend all day not awake. I mean, you're yeah. awake, but you're not aware. You're not yeah. with yourself. Yeah. And you can yeah. go a whole day like that. And those days... You know, I don't want to live in disappointment, but you can get to the end of the day and think, I just wasn't really awake today. I was in my head. And yep. so sometimes setting your alarm and doing what you said 
having just a minute to breathe and say, what am I, where are my thoughts and letting them, being aware of them rather than getting lost in them, I think can be really helpful. It certainly is for me. There's another little technique which made me think about you and you flashed into my head a few months ago, which is so funny. As I remember on the plane when we were talking and that job was really highly stressful and you know what it's like. We can't miss stuff. And back in that day, mm. and, and as a photographer, you can't you can't miss a shot. You're terrified of doing stuff. And sometimes the enormity of the pressure can be overwhelming. And it's it's the same mm. for anything. I remember sitting on that flight, one of those flights from in between our wherever we were we're going to with the Queen, and just thinking, just sit there and breathe. And then quietly and I closed my eyes and I sat there and you could do that now and just Allow yourself to feel the power. Allow the power to flow into your chest. That energy is around you all the time. And we go around like we're little capsules. So you're just opening and allowing the power to come in and fill up every part of you. Really beautiful, Megan. Thank you for talking to us about your gifts and... um, you know, there are many, your healing gift, your gift of capturing, you know, the human spirit in your photography. Um, there's also lots of other things you do, um, you know, supporting your community and, and helping other people. But thank you also for that bonus little meditation session at the end. Are there places where people can hear you, uh, where you've recorded? Have you done any online meditational guided sessions that people could access i am working on putting something out i am at the moment working on uh, have a website up in a few weeks i am i mean i'm treating people as well I, you know we're doing photography but mostly a lot of what i'm doing is treating people obviously and with the mob all these years i lived with them for that time but i do work for them with them all the time so i am treating people with the, with the healings, with the subconscious mind therapy, and I'm doing packages now where I do help people with overcoming those obstacles in their lives, the, the difficult stuff like the, the anxieties and all those things that, and, and the sabotaging belief patterns. Then once they've done that, then we, I do the individual work with them doing that, that deeper presence work, helping them to be able to really and tap into their deeper intuition Mm. so if people want to contact me for that uh the website will be up in a couple of weeks but in the meantime maybe you can look at the emotional healing video on the psh Mm. website or contact if they want to email me if they do want to ask questions or have a chat can uh, email me through through my photographic website i'll Um, put all those links on the in the show notes maybe so people can find them but i will say if you watch if you are wanting, thinking that you might like help with the PSH video, there is a little, there is a teaser out there, but the 30 minute, 30 minute one is designed to be informative but therapeutic at the same time. So it's 30 minutes, set some time aside and just watch it without thinking, don't make notes, just allow. And if it feels right with you, then then there's, there's opportunities to really reach your potential thank you megan 
It's been so nice connecting with you again. I don't think this will be the last time we talk. I think we could probably just keep talking and talking. But um, for the sake of the people who, you know, are finishing this podcast (laughs) and going about their day, we'll we'll let them go. We've got things to do. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Busy. Busy things to do. All right. Farewell. Thank you very much, Megan. I really appreciate your time. Mm, Thank you, Kate. Thank you for having me on.